Please sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Now, here is your host, Albert Pineda. This is the Casting for Fun podcast. I am your host, Albert Pineda, and this week's episode is for Wednesday, August the 2nd, 2023. So thank you for joining me this week on the show. For this week's episode, we're going to be discussing and celebrating the 50th anniversary of the George Lucas classic, American Graffiti. I'm really excited that I get to talk about this movie and a good friend of the show and movie aficionado, particularly like older movies. Uh, Nathan Wolf returns to discuss this movie with me. Uh, it's really fun. We have a great conversation. We talk about interesting facts about it. Uh, you know, it's interesting to learn that technically this movie was the very first Lucasfilm production ever. Uh, George Lucas's first movie, THX uh, 1138, technically wasn't under the, the Lucasfilm banner. But American Graffiti is the first. Uh, and again, if you're, if you're a huge fan of George Lucas and you love the Star Wars brand, then I think it's likely that you have seen this movie before. But for those who haven't, because, again, it's kind of an older movie uh, turning 50 <laughs> on August 11th. Uh, yeah, I'd say give it a watch. It's actually a really cool reflection of the time period for the youth of America in the late 50s, early 60s. And I really like like these type of movies. In fact, in the my conversation with Nathan, we go into a little bit of a conversation about the movie Can't Hardly Wait, which I feel did the same thing as American Graffiti, except they did it for late 90s kids, which is the the demographic that I fall under. So yeah, I mean, wa- watch American Graffiti, watch uh, Can't Hardly Wait, which actually just celebrated its 25th anniversary uh, last, mm, I mean, earlier this summer, back in June. So I, I kind of, I'm mad at myself for missing that. I probably should have done an episode for uh, Can't Hardly Wait. But regardless, though, please, please enjoy my conversation with Nathan Wolf in regards to American Graffiti's 50th anniversary. Please enjoy the musical choices that I've uh, selected to accompany this episode. And uh, and keep enjoying your summer. I hope everyone's enjoying uh, having lots of fun in the sun, staying cool, as cool as you can. Uh, we're in the dog days of summer. Yeah. So this is, isn't necessarily like the most like funnest time of the year. But I think, uh, you know, the, the fall season's right around the corner and it's going to be really cool when uh, football's back, at least for me. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, please enjoy this conversation with Nathan Wolf. Uh, this is American Graffiti's uh, 50th anniversary. So welcome back to the show, Nathan Wolf. Nathan, how are you doing tonight? 
doing very good. How about yourself? I'm doing, I'm doing good too. It's good to see you, and uh, it's good that we can have this conversation. I was excited uh, when you mentioned before that uh, American Graffiti is one of your all-time favorite movies. In fact, your second favorite George Lucas movie, right? Uh, yes, behind the original Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, okay, very cool, very cool. So, um, yeah, American Graffiti is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. First released, actually, I got the date wrong. I believe it's August 11th of uh, 1973 is when it was first released. So oh, okay. this episode might release a, a little early, but it's still, I think it's a really cool opportunity to commemorate the 50th anniversary of this movie. Yeah, I, I didn't, and uh, I didn't know that you were a fan of this movie because, uh, I mean, it's a movie that I don't think a lot of people, t- not too many people talk about nowadays, uh, but I've, I grew up watching it and I really loved it and I love the music and and everything. So, and I actually, we watched it recently, maybe like three or four weeks ago, so. Oh, awesome. Before you even, before even asked me to, to do the podcast, so it worked out oh, perfect. Oh, perfect, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, it's only just kind of been recently that I started to like the movie because I was aware of it. But to be okay. honest, like Hot Rod Cars, uh, they don't really interest me that much. But it was fascinating to learn no. that because that was like a huge part of his childhood. Yeah, I mean, in the I mean, the Hot Rod, you know, racing part is like a minor yeah uh, thing about the movie, but uh, you know, mostly about a couple friends that sort of last night before you know supposedly heading off to college and kind of like their last hurrah. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I definitely wanted to uh, talk about the movie, things that we like about it, share some interesting facts, normally what we kind of do on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I mentioned to you through Messenger, uh, that I wanted to share some comparisons with the movie Can't Hardly Wait. And I know you you mentioned you haven't seen it. So no spoilers here for Can't Hardly Wait. But uh, Can't Hardly Wait also celebrated its 25th anniversary a few few months ago. I kind of bummed that myself that I missed it. I totally forgot about it. But, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it actually shares quite a bit in common with uh, uh, American Graffiti. So I just wanted to share that uh, so the listeners are aware that Can't Hardly Wait, just like American Graffiti, uh, featured several uh, actors who would go on to become famous. Uh, none of them as famous as Harrison Ford, but it is kind of interesting that a lot of uh, upstart Hollywood actors and actresses got their start with that movie. Uh, and it's also, you know, a teen culture related movie, but obviously different eras, whereas uh, American Graffiti is covering the the 19, uh, early 60s, right? Technically? Yep. Yeah, when in uh, Amer- I'm, I'm sorry, Can't Hardly Wait is very much a product of its time of the, the late 90s. Both movies take place over the course of just one night and then kind of goes into the aftermath of what happens the next day early in the morning. And uh, what was I going to say also? Um, and uh, they both feature like music throughout the movie. So, I mean, but, but also, uh, oh, okay. particularly movie music that's kind of related to that time era. Uh, so obviously the music of the fifties and sixties was featured in American graffiti and then can't hardly wait features a lot of like uh, late mid to late nineties music. So, uh, the two share in common quite a bit. It's kind of like a coming of age story. So depending if you were a teenager in the late nineties, like I was, I mean, it was very a relatable movie for me. Can't hardly wait. So I would imagine that's how probably how teenagers felt in the early seventies watching, uh, American graffiti, or maybe more specifically people who were teenagers in the fifties and sixties and then saw yeah. it when it was released right yeah uh can't really wait was that 97 or 98 that it came 98 out? 98 oh okay yeah i don't know why i never got around to seeing it you know it's just sometimes movies just pass you by but that's one that's people have been like you know tell me i should watch it and i would enjoy it and so i just need to just need to sit down and do you know do the homework so 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, so one minor thing that I'll, I'll just share with you. I know, I mean, I think you mentioned before you were a fan of the show Freaks and Geeks, right? That is might be my favorite TV show. Oh, very cool, very cool. So uh, Jason Siegel makes a, a cameo appearance in Can't Hardly Wait, just one year before. So 98 was oh, okay. Hardly Wait, 99, I believe, was Freaks and Geeks. So it, it was kind of cool. Just a lot of people randomly show up and Can't Hardly Wait. And then you watch it and you think, oh, yeah, I know that person. I know that person. That's kind of cool. So, yeah, give it a watch whenever you get a chance. Okay, is that is Ethan Embry in that movie? He is. Yeah, he's the lead awesome. along with uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. They're the two leads of the movie. Okay. Awesome. I, I like him a lot. We just watched that thing you do uh, a week ago. So. Oh, very cool. I, I think I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll like Ken yeah. anyway. Cool. Sweet. Very cool. So it's interesting to me. You mentioned that you you watched it growing up, uh, American Graffiti. Uh, what do you think was the appeal to you? Whereas, you know, Star Wars, obviously, is George Lucas is more recognizable and like a uh, more popular franchise. But what do you think was the appeal for for you for uh, American Graffiti? You know, I'm not really sure. I think it was maybe that like my parents, you know, enjoyed because, you know, my same I'm trying to figure out when my parents would have been, you know, 20, my dad would have been 24 when it came out. And then my mom would have been, you know, uh, 20. Yeah. So maybe it was, you know, when they saw in the theater and they enjoyed. And so, you know, we owned it in our house or, you know, had to record. I can't remember what it was. Um, I don't know. I just, when I was a kid, I thought it was hilarious, you know, just, you know, uh, Terry the Toad. It was, I thought he was really funny as a kid. And then, uh, the I just really like 60s and 50s music. I mm. had like, I remember I asked for the soundtrack to American Graffiti for my birthday when I was like 10 or something like that. Um, so I just really like that. I still like that era of music a lot. Um, yeah, I'm not exactly sure why, uh, you know, you know, some movies resonate you, uh, with you as a kid, but uh, yeah, definitely the music, and I thought it was really funny, and uh, yeah, just one I would watch all the time. So, oh, very cool. Yeah, the the music was really really cool. In fact, again, admittedly, it's music that's not really from our time, but I think you're similar to me, Nathan, in that I think uh, our parents kind of have like an influence on us. So sometimes a lot of things that they listen to, like they pass along to us. Uh, so a lot of the music that's featured in the movie is music that my parents like quite a bit. And uh, while researching this, uh, this particular episode, I, I found it kind of interesting that uh, for the first time, I guess, ever for like a Hollywood production, they actually had a music supervisor who was hired because again, the movie features nonstop, almost consecutive, like musical numbers or popular songs from that era uh in fact yeah. I think it had over like 40 or maybe like 45 different songs that were featured in the movie yeah and it's it's just it's, that's one of the cool things about the movie is just it's all the music is always kind of plain like you know it's just like everyone has the same radio station on so you know there's always cars that are listening to the songs and so you always hear it plain you're not really sure you know where you know is it like being broadcast from something but you, you know it's just it's always you know, it's always playing and always going on in the background. And, um, you know, it's just kind of, yeah, it doesn't have any, you know, musical score. It just has, you know, constant music and, you know, just kind of always, always playing. So, oh, yeah, yeah, very cool. And then also while researching this particular episode, what I kind of learned was that uh, George Lucas, who co wrote the script, kind of patterned some of the, the main characters after his own personality. Like, uh, for instance, we have Kurt. So it's four friends and for, for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, Kurt played by Richard Dreyfuss. And it, it was so weird seeing him like young 
<laughs> I always think of him yeah. as being older. I don't know why, but um, uh, Steve played by Ron Howard. Obviously this was a launching pad for him, even though Ron Howard, I guess was a child star. He was in the Andy yes. Griffith show, right? Yeah. He's in the Andy Griffith show. He was, he was in a lot of like kind of B movies. Uh, yeah. You know, early on and things like that. So, and then I think American graffiti predates happy days by maybe one year. So I think happy days, I think was what really launched him to, to stardom, but yeah. And I think this movie was a influenced happy days quite a bit. Oh yeah, absolutely it did. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then John, played by uh, Paul Lamat, and Terry, who you are previously mentioned, played by Charles Martin Smith. So the four mm-hmm. friends they're they're finishing school and they're all kind of going their own separate ways. Uh, and I remember reading that George Lucas, I guess he thought of some of him, his character or personality growing up, that he was kind of the Terry character. But then also a little bit of the Kurt character as well. So I don't know if, if you related to any of the four boys particularly at all when you were watching the movie. Yeah, probably. I mean, probably was similar. Probably a bit of Terry, not uh, you know, and probably Terry a bit, and then also you know Kurt as well. I wasn't really the cool guy in high school like John. Um, I didn't really have a girl. You know, I didn't have a girlfriend in high school either, so I wasn't really the the Ron Howard as uh, Steve character, but. Uh, but yeah, just kind of, I would say a mix of those two as well. Okay. So. Yeah, I, I think I would probably describe myself the same way too. But but it, it was very interesting to to just read that George Lucas kind of patterned uh, the characters after his own upbringing and his own personality, the way he saw himself. So that was kind of cool, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to yeah, jump into more interesting facts about the movie. Uh, were there any particular you wanted to bring up first? I want to make sure I give you uh, plenty of time to talk because I have uh, quite a few that I wanted to mention and discuss. Uh, no, go ahead and it might drop some memories for me. So okay, sounds good. Okay, so the the production of this movie was very fascinating. So obviously, for those who aren't aware, this was technically George Lucas's second movie. His first being a THX one one three eight, which mm-hmm. again kind of like bombed. I guess it wasn't necessarily well received by uh, casual audiences at the time. So uh, his his buddy from college, uh, Francis Ford Coppola, which again is so fascinating to me to read that they were friends from high from college attending USC. Uh, I guess he made the suggestion to Lucas to to do something that was more relatable to the general public, uh, something that uh, would be maybe lighthearted, something that could be easily. Uh, consumed by the, the general movie going audience and George Lucas came up with the idea of like you know his own childhood growing up in Northern California Modesto California uh, his love of hot rods and uh, trying to pick up girls while driving <laughs> so yeah. things like that was kind of interesting to read to hear about that you know the guy who created this massive well-beloved uh, multi-billion dollar uh, sci-fi fantasy franchise really loves cars so I, I never yeah. would have guessed that before <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. So, but uh, anyways, so so he he approached uh, Universal Pictures and uh, they gave him the approval for, for just a budget of six hundred thousand dollars, which seems like so minuscule compared to like today's money. Oh yeah, when you think of a Marvel movie where it's like one hundred fifty, min you know minimum. Yeah, one hundred fifty million. Sorry, I forgot to say. It. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, six hundred thousand is just. Yeah, it's like almost yeah, you know, it's like almost like a student film type of thing. So basically, yeah. <laughs> but but then it was interesting that Coppola, who had given George Lucas the the encouragement to pursue this project, uh, at the time he had just won the Oscar for Best Picture for The Godfather. So he had a lot of pool with the movie, movie executives and said, "Hey, I mean, give this guy more money." So they gave him more. In fact, and he also convinced the studio execs who wanted to do this as a 
uh, made for TV movie to, to actually release it theatrically. So it was kind of interesting to read that Coppola's influence is what actually got the movie made. Uh, without it, I mean, George Lucas would have been lost without his help. So it was kind of interesting to read about that as well. Yeah. And actually, um, sorry, I, I thought I just thought of an interesting thing I remember reading about. I think it was like they didn't have like kind of going along with the budget. They didn't have enough money to pay all the extras and people in it. Yeah. So, they, yeah. so George Lucas gave them like screen credit, which was not a normal thing at the time. But, you know, now you see at the end of every movie, you know, you see hundreds if not thousands of names associated with the movie but uh yeah that wasn't a thing at the time and so it's it's just really fascinating that he's like i want to give you credit for a movie you know on a movie and you know in lieu of pay so oh yeah it it was it's interesting to learn that throughout his history george lucas has been one to kind of be like the uh march to the beat of his own drum basically like not do what's conventional like for instance he he eliminated the opening credits from the star wars movies like said "Uh, i'm not going to do this at all and had to like leave i guess like the the hollywood guild or something of that effect because the executives were like demanding him to do it and he had to pay money out of his own pocket to get it done his way but now you see so many movies like don't do the opening credits at the beginning oh yeah that's i mean it's very i'm trying to think of of more recent movies that don't do that. But I mean, I guess but yeah, most of the Marvel movies don't, I think uh, most of Christopher Nolan movies don't as well. So yeah, they just kind of, they just kind of start, which yeah. is nicer. I, I kind of like that. It doesn't, you know, drag on into the, into the beginning and just kind of cut straight to the chase. So, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so as mentioned, uh, George Lucas was the co-writer for this movie, but he had wit- uh, worked with uh, a husband and wife couple, uh, Willard Huck, if I'm saying his name right, and Gloria Katz, who also co-wrote uh, Temple of Doom and Howard the Duck with George Lucas. So, uh, I mean, they, they worked together well with him. Uh, some some projects great, like Temple of Doom, and some maybe not so great, like Howard the Duck. But <laughs> yeah, it was nice that I think George Lucas liked working with a lot of the same people. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Wolfman Jack. This was an interesting one. So this ties into what we talked about before with uh, the uh, Weird Al biopic with uh, Daniel Radcliffe. So Jack is featured prominently throughout the movie. And I didn't know this, but he was a real uh, actual DJ in real life, a really popular one too. And he plays himself in the movie. And when we finally get to meet him, it's really cool getting to see his uh, persona on screen. But it was so interesting when I saw it and I thought to myself, hey, I recognize him. Where is he from? Oh, that's right. Jack Black plays him in the, <laughs> the Weird Al biopic. And yeah, it's interesting the, to learn the that. Pool party thing. Yeah, the pool party. Yeah, exactly. And I believe in the movie, and I'm sorry, the biopic, um, it's portrayed that uh, Dr. Demento, played by uh, Rain Wilson, and Wolfman Jack, I guess, like, there's there's animosity, there's uh, their rivals, but I guess they were in real life as well, which is kind of fascinating to learn. Oh, I did not know that. That's Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, but, but I thought it was kind of cool that it ties into something else we talked about before on the podcast. I guess when I, we just talk about random pop culture stuff, like, I guess there's going to be tie-ins for sure. <laughs> and actually, you were just talking, and I I thought of a tie-in with another podcast that we did, but Ron Howard directed Willow, which That's right. was written by George Lucas. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah cool. that's, that's just crazy, all the, the tie-ins and... <laughs> Another Ron Howard stat that I wanted to throw out really quick as well. This was technically his very last movie appearance uh, as an actual like credited actor. I mean, again, he obviously Happy Days show well after that, but it was after Happy Days that he went into directing, which he's probably best known for being a director more so than an actor. But again, I thought that was kind of interesting too. 
Uh, let's see here. 50s and 60s culture, I think, is really cool. So, I mean, I've seen it portrayed many, many times in many movies and TV shows. So it's a, a, a culture that I always thought was really cool. Like the concept of like going to the, the drive-ins where the girls are serving you on their roller skates. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like, you know, you're going out on a Saturday night, you're going to see all your friends at those type of restaurants. That, that culture kind of seems really, really cool. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of happy that I grew up in the 90s as a teenager, but I often wonder what life would have been like had I grown up in the 50s or 60s, or at least the early 60s. So I don't know if that's as well as something that you're into. Was that maybe relatable as far as the movie goes, like the the type of culture that's presented in American graffiti? Yeah, I just, yeah, that's, that's a good point. It's just kind of, uh, you know, maybe you, it's like a, the grass is always greener type of things like always yeah. like oh that looked like a fun way to grow up and you know thing and things like that because i always wish I've, uh that i was like a teenager in like the mid 80s mm-hmm. i always i always wish that because i'm like i just love 80s movies music you know tv shows and all that and in the video games and things like that and i'm like i wonder if you know if it was you know i wasn't in you know alive then so i don't know you know maybe it wasn't as great as you know i'm imagine in my head but um but yeah that could have uh definitely been part of the appeal is just like it just seems like a simpler time in you know hanging out like you said hanging out with friends at local places like that just is so you know it was a little bit of that in the 90s with me growing up but not you know nearly as prevalent as it is in this movie and as you know what people have talked about in the 50s and 60s so mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so again, I, like you, I also rewatched the movie, but uh, I guess for your case, it was just purely coincidental for me. I was preparing for this episode of the podcast. There was actually two things that I've kind of noticed that were kind of interesting. One that's uh, I guess kind of related to culture of the, the fifties, late or early sixties. And then one that I think actually is a tie in to uh, the Mandalorian. Uh, so another Lucasfilm project, which is kind of interesting to learn. So first, um, let me let me go go into the the Lucasfilm connection that I saw. So okay. in the movie, uh, John Milner he picks up a, a young girl, which is kind of weird. But again, he was trying to pick up on lots of girls, and that's the one who went into the car with him. And yeah, I noticed he that know, he didn't know she was that young. So yeah, that's, that's true. That in his defense, he didn't. <laughs> but uh, so so see, she's riding in the car with him, and she's kind of like fiddling with the knob thing on like the the gear shift. That's and, right. like, and he's telling her, don't do that. Don't mess around with that. And then he finally just gives in and like says, okay, just take it with you. And I'm thinking to myself, as I'm watching that, that looks so, so familiar. And then I realized, oh, that's an exact like mimic of the, the scene from the Mandalorian where Mando like gives it to uh, Grogu because he kept playing around with it from the, the Razor Crest. So I'm wondering if Dave Filoni and uh, John Favreau, uh, who, who used many like Lucasfilm ties into the Mandalorian probably saw that really obscure reference and said, Hey, let's, fit that into the the movie somehow or fit it into our show because we saw it in american graffiti that's funny you uh picked up on that because i didn't and I was, as soon as you said I'm like oh yeah yeah uh i know you call him by his actual name i still call him baby yoda yeah <laughs> i was like oh yeah that's the that's just like baby yoda and you know he kept fiddling all around with the thing in the razor chris so that's cool yeah, so, yeah. so I'm, I'm glad you kind of caught on that too because I'm thinking oh, that really looks like they did take that inspiration from American Graffiti, but at the same time I could be thinking, ah, oh, you know, maybe I'm just making that up and it's just in my head. Yeah, it could be like a little homage to you know George Lucas and things like that. So you know, yeah, you know, they're they're film fans and things like that. You know, I'm sure they watched American Graffiti growing up. So yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. And actually, one other thing that I wanted to mention as well that I think kind of was inspiration or uh, I don't know, again, this could just be in my head. But to me, after watching it again uh, or watching this movie again, uh, it seemed to me that Ron Howard's character, Steve, is kind of patterned or like I guess technically because this movie came out first. Uh, uh, Luke Skywalker is kind of patterned after the Steve character because sometimes the mannerisms, the way he sounds like sometimes even his whiny kind of complaining attitude, it kind of reminded me of Luke. So I don't know if that, that could that could just be in my head, but I was wondering if you caught that connection as well. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. I don't know if I really thought about that. You know, just uh, yes, Steve is not. It's not one of my favorite characters in the movie, just because he's, uh, you know, and also yeah, like in A New Hope, Luke is just also he's not one of my favorites because he's just kind of, like you said, whiny and complaining, and he's you know asking you know he's in the Millennium Falcon asking. What's that flashing? I thought you said the thing is fast. You know, he has all, yeah. you know, he's kind of like this kind of bratty teenager that just has a comment on there on everything. So, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, no, I didn't, I didn't pick that pick up on the the. I'll have to, you know, I'll have to watch it again and uh, look for you know similarities between him, uh, him and Luke. So. I might or, try a, a new hope Luke. So yeah, definitely a new hope Luke. So I'm, I might just do a little research just to kind of see if like somehow it was it's been revealed that Mark Hamill was kind of trying to channel like uh, the act actor uh, uh, acting example done by uh, Ron Howard in American Graffiti. It would surprise me if it's like no, it was just a pure coincidence, or maybe it's just in my head and there's no similarities. But it just yeah. really kind of felt like it kind of was at least a little bit. Yeah, it could have been, I mean, it could have been kind of similar direction, you know, by George Lucas, you know, you never know, so. Yeah, yeah. So one other point that I wanted to bring up, it's kind of about uh, 50s and early 60s culture. I think a lot of it has to do with the way they talked and like some of the slang words they use, which again is very much uh, a product of any era you're from. Like certain, like in the 90s, like we would say like not because of Wayne's World and that didn't really oh, yeah. <laughs> so things like that uh so it was kind of interesting to me that in this movie the girls use the word boss a lot to, to mm. describe something that's really cool like oh that that hot rod car is boss and then the one girl who's like you know describing the beach boys music all oh, their music is boss it was kind of interesting to me because i guess boss has kind of made a comeback in a way where today we we would say like you know like you do something like a boss because you did something very well very effective oh, um, yeah. But it's it's still kind of interesting or kind of weird to me that we would use boss in that way, because to me, it seems that the, the majority of like the working class American citizen probably doesn't like their boss. So I don't know if they want to be compared to a boss in that regard. But yeah, I thought it was like Bossa Nova. Oh, I think you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. Short yeah. for Bossa Nova, right? Yeah, that's that's what I thought. I mean, I could be. Um, no, that 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 told, makes total sense. You're right. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I I was like, oh yeah, I thought of another slang term, but it's I didn't I didn't want to say it on the podcast, you know, if it's uh inappropriate, but you know, uh, the B word. Oh yeah, that's right. I did say that quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm like that. You know, that's another way to of saying you know that's cool or you know that's. Yeah. Uh, and what is oh John uh Carol makes him say that he's a dirty bird. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Like I'm like I don't I'm not exactly sure where that came from or what you know. Obviously, it doesn't mean a good thing, but it's, uh you know I'm like I don't know what dirty bird means or where it came from. You know like where slang comes from, especially mm -hmm. back then. But uh, oh yeah. 
Oh, very cool, very cool. And then you know, I I, I like going back to when he was the girl was using the word boss, and again, that makes more sense to say bossa nova to refer to like the Beatles music. I'm sorry, not the Beatles. I apologize, the Beach Boys. Yes. Uh, she's having that conversation with John, and John was just like, oh, "Beach Boys are terrible. Like your music yeah. died when Buddy Buddy Holly died." So it, yeah. it's interesting to me that no matter what era you're from, like you'll always have people like comparing the current music saying, you know what, this isn't very good. I guess it's not really a, a new thing, but uh, it is interesting to see that it comes from various generations. Yeah. It's just, there's always going to be, you know, varying opinions and things like that. And it's like, well, music hasn't been good since this, you know, like kind of the, the old curmudgeon type thing. And it's like, yeah. I'm sure every generation has you know you kids music nowadays you know and they you know that type of thing and it's just it's just an, a repeating process that's gonna you know probably go on for till music you know doesn't exist anymore if that ever comes to a point but yeah oh, okay very good very good uh that was kind of the talking points that i wanted to go over was there anything else from the movie that you really enjoyed whether it was a specific scene or just any other uh fascinating facts that you can think of um I guess I, I, one of my favorite stories in the movie is uh, Kurt kind of getting like becoming part of the Pharaohs, the gang. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Inadvertently, you know, that he's sitting on, I think it's their leader's car, you know, like they're borrowing for their night. And, you know, he's sitting on it just like, you know, just kind of listening to music or watching TV in the, through the store window or something. I can't remember exactly what he's doing, but he's just kind of bored sitting on the car and they're like, you know, come on, you scratch the hood, and then so they take him with them because they're trying to decide what to do with him. If they're gonna drag him by the, you know, by the car, like make him, you know, do some sort of uh, crazy thing. And I just, <laughs> I just like how that just keeps escalating. Like, you know, they go and steal money from like a mini golf course, you know, like pinball arcade, and then you know they end up uh, hands up, you know, hooking on the. Axel, the police car, and you know, they're like, they want him in the ferals. Also, you know, it's like his, it's his last night, but he's like part of a game. You know, so <laughs> I always thought that was a funny storyline. But... Oh, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, it, it was it was cool to see all the stories occur and then they kind of intertwine where like, you know, certain people run into each other again throughout the yeah. course of the night. So that whole concept was really, really cool. In fact, I mean, I had to do a little more research to confirm this, but I think uh, uh, American Graffiti was the first movie to kind of really do that. And then there's been several since. In fact, we mentioned Can't Hardly Wait. Uh, and then actually before Can't Hardly Wait, a couple of years before, there was uh, uh, Days and Confused which yeah. also kind of had like the the same concept of like, you know, over the course of just one night and then also launching many careers with that movie as well. So the, that type of movie, I always found to be really fascinating how it captures the that generation's culture. And it's just really fun and really relatable. And I think the concept of like doing a movie just over the span of like an evening, I think it gets the, the flow, the story moving pretty well. So like you don't really have any downtime. It's like some, something's happening. There's something else going on in the movie. Yeah, if yeah, if something is slowing down for one, you know, character group, or you know, you jump to another one, and yeah, how he talked about, how, you know, Terry and uh, what's the girl that he picks up? What's her name? It's not Cindy, is it? Uh it's. I think it started with a C, right? Oh man, I should. Anyways, um, oh, he said he looks. She looks like Connie Stevens. That's. But at, um, anyways. Yeah, they get their car stolen, which is actually Steve's car, and then they run into Steve 
and he thinks you know like her car got stolen you know like he's he you know the dots aren't connecting that it was actually his car that was stolen from and uh you know yeah it's just it's just funny that i never it's like when you talk about how this was like a first of a lot of things like you never you know like you grow up watching movies like this and then you don't realize that this was the first one that that did it it's just fascinating to me oh absolutely yeah yeah me too uh did you have anything else from american graffiti that you wanted to bring up or discuss no i think that i think that's about it so it's just oh, a great movie cool. and i highly recommend if people haven't seen it you know obviously there's some spoilers but i mean even if there's some spoilers you i definitely highly recommend it it's great music uh great acting it's funny it's just a lot of fun so Oh, absolutely. Totally agree. I mean, again, it's uh, if you if you love 50s and 60s cultures, I mean, you definitely should watch this movie. But again, like it's it's cool just to see younger people like, you know, break into the business and get to see them in their earlier uh, acting careers, which is really cool. And if we haven't even mentioned, oh, we briefly mentioned Harrison Ford. So before he got right. started, yeah. uh, superstardom was in this movie and as was uh, Cindy Williams, who would have gone on to become a uh, Shirley from the Vernon Shirley. So a really popular sitcom from the seventies as well. So yeah, I mean, lots of really cool uh, uh, talent to see on screen. And as Nathan mentioned, the music's fantastic. If you love that culture uh, and then it's a really just engaging, fun story, even though it's kind of a lot of like several random plot points that kind of all come together at, or like they're occurring at the same time. It's still just a lot of fun. So I definitely recommend this movie for anyone who hasn't seen it. And if you haven't, if you have seen it and it's been a while since you've seen it, yeah, definitely watch it to celebrate its 50th anniversary coming up. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you said there's like kind of a lot of plot points, but it doesn't feel disjointed or like it doesn't feel too all over the place. It's, you know, it's really, it's kind of a tight movie with, as far as, you know, it doesn't get too, crazy and uh yeah just everything makes sense and also it's it's uh kind of interesting that was it like two years later that richard dreyfus was in jaws after this wasn't oh, it jaws was, yeah, yeah, in, i think yeah 75 or 76 yeah and he looks like from here from american graffiti to jaws he looks like he's like 15 years older you know i think at the beard <laughs> you know does it in jaws but it just it's just and i'm like oh that's only you know, two or three years later that he did Jones. That's crazy. It, it just seems like a bigger gap than that. But. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So very cool. Well, if there's nothing else for tonight, uh, Nathan, uh, thank you for joining me for, to go over this movie. I mean, again, it, maybe it's a shorter episode of the, of our podcast, but it was still just fun for me just to talk about this movie. I mean, go back and rewatch it and then uh, talk about it with you now and learn interesting new things about it. And if anyone who hasn't seen it is now sold and yes, I want to watch this movie, then perfect. I mean, mission accomplished as far as the podcast goes. I think it's streaming on Netflix right now. Is that where you watched it? Uh, I went ahead and bought it digitally. So it's oh, in my, perfect. My, my digital library. Yeah, Netflix. That's good to hear that it's, that it's there. Uh, not on Disney Plus. It's kind of interesting. Not on Disney Plus, but. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm not sure who. I think it's a Universal movie, isn't it? Oh, you're right. Yeah. So it, I guess the, the deal for the purchase of Lucasfilm, I guess it didn't necessarily encompass everything. Probably. Yeah, I'm guessing. Yeah. Oh, and I, I was curious. Did you watch this uh, with your wife or just just you or? Uh, I just watched it by myself. Yeah. So uh, oh, okay. I'll try and convince my wife, see if she'll want to watch it. She might. She might be interested. Has she seen it before? Or not? Or I don't not? think she has. No. Okay. I, I did watch it with Maddie and she was not a fan of it, which is fine. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, maybe you had a. I, I always like when there's movies I want, you know, my wife to watch. I was kind of like, 
seems like a force and it's like almost seems like homework at the you know it's like oh. <laughs> fine i'll fine i'll watch it you know and so it, it's not always the best uh you know that's what you know kind of want them to like yeah let's watch this now you know you want it to, to be their idea but yeah so. exactly. oh very cool well again thank you nathan for joining me tonight and thank you to all the listeners and yes please please watch uh american graffiti i think you'll really enjoy this video okay so yeah, listening to the, the casting for fun podcast thanks everybody can tell oh yes i'm the